So, it's good to be here, good to be back home. Um, I appreciate um, appreciate uh, having folks here that can uh, fill in when I'm gone, and it's nice to be part of a group. It's got so many that are willing to teach and participate. Um, many of you that know me well know that I... Um, uh, not a real emotional thinker, I'm a practical thinker, but part of the way I process things is I try to come up with, uh, especially these concepts that we uh, run into in scriptures. It helps me to have kind of another, you know, a parallel mental image of that concept, you know, something a little, you know, you know how Jesus taught in parables and he would teach about this or that that was parallel to help come up with an example. I kind of have to do that for myself. Um... I got a little feedback from the thing where we talked about judgment versus condemnation, uh, where, you know, we talked about maybe our role as jurors, uh, where you do have some action, but you're not in charge of condemnation. We don't, we don't, we're not in charge of heaven and hell. We're in charge of understanding what that is. We, here's the law. It doesn't come from us, but we interpret it. We, we look at the evidence provided either by the actions of others or, by what's what the subject is, but we we're required to make that judgment and say what that is, you know. But uh, you know those kind of images help me. Um, the lesson today, we're we're talking about. You can see this I am statement up there. We're talking about basically um, God, who God is. Uh, but we're going to be talking, especially in the follow-up, uh, about this concept of, of what that means, you know, in his relationship to us uh, as far as authority and how we view authority. So I want you all, I'm going to try to come up with a couple of things, and I, I don't always do this very well. My wife's told me I'm not great at this all the time. But, um, you know, if, if Miss Carrie goes to the store and buys a bunch of ingredients. I noticed some Butterfingers. We don't usually have Butterfingers at my house, right? I noticed this little stack of Butterfingers over there. And, of course, you imagine what immediately goes into my head. Oh, is this for me? Right? But it's ingredients for a cake she's going to make. She's bought those ingredients. I know that probably today she'll be making that. And, um, you know... There's this process where by which she's bought and paid for, or she's you know she owns this. She's got a plan for it. She's putting it together. She's creating it, right? She's making it. Uh, when it gets made, um, who has authority over it? It'd be her, right? So if I just go in there and start cutting that cake and inviting all my buddies over. I kind of know what she, you know, I, it's not for me. The cake is not for me. All right, it's for somebody at work. I already know what's going on here, right? So if things are normal, she will grace me with a piece of this cake. I'm going to get a piece because she gave it to me, because she chose to give it to me, right? Probably. That's probably going to happen, right? So, you know, you can see that if I take uh, liberties with the cake, with what's been created there, 
Um, Y'all would all understand, oh, he shouldn't have done that, right? You know that. Um, Same thing applies when it's bought, right? She goes, she's got this purpose for it, she goes and buys it. Whose is it? And whose is it to say what's going to happen with it? It's her, right? That's how that works. And this idea that uh, that in this country we seem to embrace, well, a lot of countries, you know, well, there it is. It must be for all of us, and we must all have some say, right? Because there it is, right? Well, uh, when we think about these I am statements, y'all already know where we're going. We got a, a, a group that knows scriptures. I am in the Old Testament, and I am in the New Testament. It's all God, right? Think in terms of Him addressing His people, God addressing His people, and we're going to go through these verses. Um, he created the world. He created them. Everything had a purpose. He has a plan for it. Um, and he's over that. He's in charge of that. Um, now, from your study of the Jews, did the Jews uh, like that they weren't in charge of that all the time? They did not. All right. Uh, when we get to the New Testament, Right? Does the same thing apply? Think about the letters to the churches. Were there troubles with folks wanting to kind of take over who says what and what the rules are? Sure. Is that prevalent today? Sure. But I want you to understand when we get started in the Bible, we're talking about a creator. He created it. He made it. It's his. Right? But when we get to the New Testament, what happens there with regard to Jesus' relationship to us? Does he purchase the church with his blood? Now let me ask y'all. I want you to be thinking about these things. Did he already own it? Was it his? And I want you to think about the demonstration that he gives us of his authority over what's his, over his kingdom. God, in the Old Testament, I am the Lord your God. What's he talking about? You are to perform my judgments and keep my statutes. To live in accord with them, I am the Lord your God. I'm your creator and I've made everything where where you are and also in this relationship with me, what what am I? What, What is he? And then we come to the New Testament, what happens? That same relationship still exists, but then then he goes and purchase Jesus purchases this kingdom with his blood, the church. Right? So I wanted you to be able to think in some of those terms 
This should actually be a, a relatively quick lesson because I'm mostly just going to be reading scriptures to you today. I want you to think about those things in preparation for the class to a great degree. Um, but uh, I want you to think about this relationship um, and what he's saying there with regard to um, his authority, right? His ownership of this relationship, right? So we're going to start in the Old Testament, and we'll just make a journey through there. We'll start in Genesis 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. A couple chapters later, Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Exodus 3, starting in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Exodus 31. But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And think about that. This is the... He says, I am the Lord who sanctifies you, and we're in the Old Testament. Leviticus 11. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 18. And we're going to refer uh, back to a group of these passages here in just a bit. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you live, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You are to perform my judgments and keep my statutes, to live in accord with them. I am the Lord your God. So you shall keep my statutes and my judgments by which a man may live if he does them. I am the Lord. So, I had referenced this when we were reading uh, there in Leviticus 18. I'm going to take a minute, and I'm not going to say anything. Can y'all turn to Leviticus 18? Just turn to Leviticus 18. I want you to do something for me, and I want you to do this like in a quick scan, right? And you might even just look. Some of you will have titles over these sections. As you go, you'll have titles over your sections in the Bible, some of you. Kind of go through those next few chapters and just scan and kind of look at the overall message real quick. I think you can get a sense of it. I'm going to watch the clock, and I'm going to give you a minute, minute and a half. Just scan through them for me.
So I did this again this morning so that I could have a sense, you know, how long it'll take. <laughs> but as you scan through there, um, I, I think maybe when I get to Leviticus twenty four twenty two, there's there's a there's a verse here that says there shall be one standard for you. It shall be for the stranger as well as for the native, for I am the Lord your God. There shall be one standard for you. And you just think about what we just went through, right? As you were scanning through those chapters after starting there about Leviticus 18. Um, and he's saying that it is like it is because I am who I am. Y'all get that? I'm your creator. I've created you for a purpose. I, you know, I'm in charge of this. This is how this is going to go. Right? Something I had missed um, in the past, uh, and you can go back to Numbers 18 and kind of read the context of this if you wish, uh, but this is, I'll just read the verse right quick. It says, Then the Lord said to Aaron, this is Numbers 18:20. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land nor any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the sons of Israel. And this is a chapter that tells them what they're going to get and kind of what they're not going to get, right? And their responsibilities, specifically talking to the Levites. That's who he's talking about, the Levites. They're known as the priestly tribe, the priests. That's where they come from, right? They've got service to do. And they're going to be provided for by and through the law, basically by and through God, right? And he doesn't give them a land inheritance per se. Now, they've got, you know, you can read through there and you can see that they've got access to some cities. they got, you know, something. But um, so we know who the verse is to and we can see what it's saying, but I had kind of missed this thought, and I don't know if it's intentional or if it's coincidental, but who are we today? Are we a royal priesthood? Are we a royal priesthood? And is our inheritance provided by and through who God is? By and through who God is? Right? Right? That's, that's where it comes from. The benefit is by and through him. It's not this. It's not this out here. Right? Now, does some of that exist for us? Sure, right? But, you know, when you think about the parallel here as we read that chapter for a royal priesthood today, it's, it's an interesting thought. Some will keep going through the Old Testament. <clears throat> uh, Deuteronomy, see now that I, I am he, and there is no God beside me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it's I who heal. And there is no one who can deliver from my hand. Indeed, I lift up my hand to heaven, and I say as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword, and my hand takes hold on justice, I will render vengeance on my adversaries 
and I will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword will devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired leaders of the enemy. What do we find when we go through there? You know, if we kind of do a quick review and we're looking for some points. We find that he's holy. We figure that out real quick as we read through that. What else do we find? We find that he's in charge, right? You can't read. You can't read those verses without understanding that what's his posture in this? He's not begging and pleading. He's telling. And does he have the authority to do so? That's what you, you have to decide what your attitude is going to be towards this, right? Are you going to be in rebellion to that because you want what you want? Are you going to be in submission to that because you want what he offers? Right? So we see that he's a rewarder. We see he's a punisher. We see he's a promise keeper. All of those things come out as you read those statements. So what do you think? Was it a serious thing to serve the God of the Old Testament? Was that a serious thing? And did serving this God require sacrifice or cost? Think about what you just read or what you were scanning through, right? So let's do the New Testament. Of course, we know who this is, the he here. But he kept silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Is that a powerful statement? Is that a powerful statement? Is that a statement of power? It is. Did they understand what his, the, he implied there? I think they did because then they wanted to kill him for it. Luke 22. <clears throat> for who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. <clears throat> who has the authority to delegate authority here? I can see it looks like Jesus. John 6. Jesus said to them, I am, the bread of, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all, all that he has given me I lose nothing, but, will, but raise it up on the last day. 
For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Is this a statement of power? Is this an assertion of authority? Is he letting you know what he can and will do? John 8, 12. Then again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world, but he who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 58. John said to them, or Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. What kind of statement is that? Statement of his eternal nature? John 9, 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John 10, 9. I am the door. If anyone enters uh, through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 10, 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. 11.25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. 13.13, 13. you call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. 14.6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 14.20 In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. 15.5 I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. From apart from me you can do nothing. And John 15 is one of my favorite chapters I like reading about that relationship there. It's a good, it's another one of those places that helps me get a kind of an image of that relationship and what it's supposed to be. John 17, 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. 1837, therefore Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. There again, that's a, very much an assertion of authority. It's plain. We come to this idea of judgment. And I will kill this Revelation uh, 2.23. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. That's, you know, he's writing to these uh, churches, but when he's talking about I will give to each one of you according to your deeds, what do you think he's talking about? Revelations 21.5 And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the, ones, to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. 
So who's in charge of that spring? Okay. He is. And who has the authority to give that water? He does. Is he in charge of how much it costs? He is. Miss Carrie can give me a piece of cake for free. I'd pay her. Right? So what do you think? Is serving the God of the New Testament a serious thing? It's a serious thing. Let's turn to Luke 14. I'm going to pull it up on the screen here. Um, Let's look at this. Luke 14. I think I already got it pulled up. I do. All right. So, y'all see that little title right there on top? I like those titles on mine. Now, large crowds were going along. Oh, this is starting in verse 25 if y'all are trying to follow along. Luke 14, 25. Now, large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. What king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he's strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. So what do you think the message of that is? What's the message of this passage? I'm going to put that title back up there again. So you can see it. Alright? What's the message of that passage? Um, And again, when you look at this, um, think about these questions. Is serving the God of the New Testament a serious thing? Does serving Jesus require sacrifice at cost? He said he was going to give that water away for free. Does serving Jesus require sacrifice and cost? Is this the God? Is this the same God of the Old Testament? Is this the God who is a creator? Was anything created that wasn't created by him for him? And did he additionally purchase with his blood this church, this relationship that we have? And what authority does he have? You know, I think part of the message of that passage that we just read was, is it, you know, we talk about the Old Testament covenant relationship began on the eighth day with circumcision, Right? Did the baby understand it? Did the baby consent to the terms? What does he say about 
our New Testament relationship that we understood it to initiate it. We first understood it before we participated in this offer. He's made an offer. We see what he's got to offer. We accept that offer. What does he tell us there? Think about the cost. Think about the cost. He actually says that for folks that don't think about the cost of a building first and they don't finish, they're ridiculed for that. Right? Get made fun of. What? That's kind of what it said. So, he's telling us there's a cost. Last verse. Told you I'd be quick. Luke 9, 62. But Jesus said to him, No one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Is that in any way relate to that passage that we just read? So is the standard high? And are we or am I taking this seriously? Because we concluded that it's a serious thing. Right? And that there's cost and sacrifice. And is it daily? Are you talking about taking up your cross daily? Does that sound like the easy part of it? That doesn't sound like drinking free water, does it? Taking up your cross daily. It doesn't sound like drinking free water. So, these are the things that I wanted us to consider. This is kind of the frame of mind that I want to build so as we come together to discuss these things in the next hour. But... As we have a class like this and we think about the seriousness of uh, this relationship that, that we have voluntarily entered into uh, with the hopes of heaven, right? Uh, how are we doing? We have this moment, you know, traditionally we have this moment of uh, self-reflection, self-examination, this thought that we're going to think about, well, am I in this relationship and do I need to be baptized to enter into this relationship? Have I thought about it? Have I been in this relationship and somehow not taken this thing as seriously as I should? Have I failed in some way that I might need the prayers of the saints here? uh, That I might need to confess some sin or uh, just want uh, some support? We uh, offer that invitation of Christ Uh, If you're subject to it, please come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.